0: Let's jump into today's message. Luke chapter 7. If you've got your Bible, I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 7, and you could turn to verse 18, and we'll be there in just a moment. But today, we're going to watch the portion of Scripture instead of reading it, because the Chosen does a very uh, great job of depicting what it would look like if you and I were living in Luke 7, starting in verse 18. And we're going to see J the B. Come on, John the Baptist. Someone say J the B. We're gonna we're gonna all thank J the B. Because today he asks a question that you and I have probably asked before. the The difference is most of us won't go public with this question. Most of us will feel a little ashamed of this question and will never let this question feel like it gets it gets uh, verbalized or spoken out loud but John the Baptist who Jesus would say was the goat the greatest of all time as far as from now until today no one's greater than John the Baptist and yet John the Baptist is going to bring a message a a, a question today that many of us would like to hear the answer to because maybe we've had it too On a very quick side note, this is a little free and a little extra. When we watch this portion of Scripture, I want you to pay attention to how many different ways the same message hits people just a little bit differently. And come on, I need you to understand that God's message is true, it's real. But when you hear the preached Word, when you read His Word in Scripture, don't be surprised if sometimes it hits the same, only a little bit different. And this is why I love small groups, because we'll get in small groups and we'll talk about how I was reading this word and that's really cool, the revelation you had or the thought that you had about it, because I had a different thought and together they complement each other well and they build a robust faith. In this uh, um, scripture, you're going to see how there's disciples who are learning to believe the message Jesus is talking about, how there are Romans perplexed is Jesus a threat or not there are zealots thinking that Jesus would be here to annihilate those same Romans who are feeling out the threat level or not there are broken and hurting people who are believing that Jesus is more than able to do a miracle today There are Pharisees investigating if he's an imposter and a blasphemer. And there's other Pharisees who are secretly believing. I think he's him, but I can't tell the other Pharisees because I might get outed. There are previously healed people in the crowd who are elated because they know God is able. And they're like, watch this. It's about to happen. Watch this. And then there's J the B's disciples. John the Baptist sends two disciples with a message of doubt, asking a question many of us have probably silently asked today. And the point of the reason I point that out is because you should always lean into the word and have discussions about the sermon, have discussions about what you read in your morning Devo time, have text threads with other people, have small groups saying, come on, I read this and this hit me this way, because it's kind of like a suit. I can offer everyone a suit today But there's a Holy Spirit in the room who tailor makes it just for you so it hits you just right, flows on you just right. It's the right word at the right time, and it feels just right. Tell your neighbor, you're going to like the way you look, I guarantee. Come on, some of you like, I'm not saying that. That's okay. So today, we're going to watch Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 18. Watch this clip.
1: The only remedy is to amputate. Amputate? Well, now, it does not look good at all. (laughs) Right here. Blessed be Adelaide. The teacher has healed my son's blindness. Yeah. Um. Next, come. It's okay. Let's get you closer. Soon, might be now. Let's get John's question answered. I've never said anything with my own words. Where would you like to start? Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe. Let that save those big titles for a little (laughs) bit. Ah, yes. What do we have here? These are two of your cousin's disciples, Avner and Nadal. The baptizer has an urgent question for you. I recognize you from the day John introduced me to Andrew. What does John want to know?
0: Simon brought us in haste. This isn't appropriate here. We can talk later.
1: Simon. I actually think now is the perfect time. Who here has experienced John the Baptizer in some way? Uh. I know some of you rejected John, but some of you believed his message. Some of you may also know that John is currently imprisoned by Herod in Machaerus. ...I think it would be instructive for us to hear what's on his mind in the midst of such challenge. It's a difficult question. It might be better privately. It's fine. This is healthy.
0: He... ...sent us to ask you... ...if you are really the one who is to come
1: or should we look for someone else? Say that last part again. Should we look for someone else? Hmm. For those of you who could not hear, John the Baptizer, my cousin, who has prepared the way for me, is now questioning if I am the Messiah, or if maybe we should keep waiting. John is getting impatient, yes? It's one of his quirks. He has been in prison a long time. Word reached our ears about what happened in Nazareth, that you said the Spirit of the Lord is upon you to proclaim liberty to the captives.
0: If you say you are here to free prisoners, then why does he remain? He rightfully wonders why you would allow his entire ministry to be halted by an impostored king.
1: Proclaiming liberty to the captives can mean more than just freeing inmates. There are many kinds of captivity that keep people Is that what we're supposed to tell him? No, that's just for you. What are we supposed to report back? Careful... ...careful... Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The mutes speak, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Go, relate to my cousin what you have seen and heard here today, and add to that the dead are raised as well. And tell John I love him.
0: Come on, don't they do such a good job? I'm not going to read all of Luke 7, but I am going to use a lot of the scriptures today, so I hope you are there. But they so accurately described what was going on as Jesus was healing and touching many different people. And yet John the Baptist's disciples, the goat, shows up in the middle of it with a question of doubt. Are you who I thought you were? Are you the Messiah, or should I be looking for someone else. Now, I call this next session, uh, section of the message the profile of a doubter. Because if John the Baptist, the grace of all time, had these kinds of doubts, let's look at his resume. He is the one who was the voice of one crying out in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. He was the one who told his disciples, Stop following me, start following him. He is the one who was so convinced by Jesus that he said, the Lamb of God, this is he who takes away the sin of the world. If that's not enough, he was, while in his mother's womb, he was the one who leapt at Jesus' presence just from entering into the room. The profile of a doubter. He saw heavens open. Uh, a dove, the Holy Spirit represented as a dove, descend down out of heaven, land on Jesus' shoulders, and hear God's audible voice thunder. Uh, uh, take note, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. And if John the Baptist can have questions of doubt after he said and saw and experienced all he did, well then guess what? You and I are likely to deal with doubts about God from time to time too in times of weakness oftentimes what we feel, we don't want to audibly say. We we might feel sheepish about it, so we might share it with one person, or maybe someone from our small group, or text someone, but maybe, maybe we'll get bold enough to ask our pastor. I loved uh, being a youth pastor. For for, uh, close to 15 years, we were in youth ministry, and I loved when young people would come up and say, my parents believe, my grandparents believe, my friends believe, but I don't, I'm kind of Struggling to believe, and they were worried about what I would say. And I say, that's okay. Like, what? And I was like, that's okay. Walk with us and figure it out too. Because God walked with John the Baptist too. God walked with a whole bunch of people who, in Scripture, pointed out that they had moments of doubt and times of weaknesses. There's typically three times when the enemy will try to exploit a situation and cause you to doubt. The first time we typically doubt is when we, question, when we have questions that we can't answer. This is when the enemy's voice tries to get really loud and tries to speak up and say, see, he's not good enough, he's not moving enough, he isn't answering. Or here's the second one, situations that seem unfair. Ever been there before? You're like, God, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why you're not just opening up the heavens and throwing lightning on them right now. I don't know what's going on in this moment. Or typically, we doubt when we deal with hurts that we can't resolve. And these are the times where the enemy tries to get so very loud and tries to exploit our doubts. But if you're listening to me today, and if you're dealing with doubts, I want to tell you, don't check out thinking that you're horrible or that you missed it or that you're not a person of faith because you have doubts. Um, I, I like what Oswald Chambers once said. Doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong." it may be a sign that he is thinking. And so I would often tell our our young people, I think this is a good thing with boundaries that you would process your own faith and it would become your own. Have conversations with me. Ask the questions you want to ask and the same God who revealed himself true to me will reveal himself true to you too. In fact, we need to understand that a lot of spiritual people doubt it in our Bible. Moses doubted God. Thomas, one of the 12 disciples, doubted God and said, Until I stick my hand in his hand, my finger in his hands and on his side. And even Peter, one of the closest disciples to Jesus, doubted when he walked on water. It was a, ah, you're real. Oh my goodness, I can walk on water, but I see wind and waves and I don't know if you can handle wind and waves. And even Peter doubted. And so, If Moses doubted, Thomas doubted, Peter doubted, what's my point? My point is the name of today's message. I hope you like long titles every once in a while because I labeled this one, shoo, even Jay the B is just like you and me. Shoo, even Jay the B is just like you and me. Because many of us have wanted to ask the question he asked, hey, God, you still real? You still able? Did I put too much faith in something else, or do you have my situation too? And so, shoo! I feel a lot of comfort knowing even John the Baptist, even the even the goat, even Jay the bee is just like you and me. Would you pray with me, God? I pray that you speak to any doubt in the room that you would expose it for what it is, but then you lead us to the path. That you have for us, God. You are good and you're always able. So, Father, I give this time to you in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that, you could say, Amen. Amen. Here's four ways to deal with doubt that I see in Luke chapter (laughs) 7. From this chosen clip, from this passage of scripture, I see a few things that we should apply next time we deal with doubt. The first thing is to question doubt. Question doubt. In Luke 7, verse 19, it says, John the Baptist sent his disciples to ask. In other words, he's sitting in a prison cell. He's doubting because it's been a minute since he's been there. He feels like maybe God should have busted me out by now. Maybe my situation should be different. If I were God, I'd do it a little bit different. And he's questioning some things. So what does he do? He questions his doubts. See, doubts have a way of questioning everything into oblivion. Question this. Question that. I wonder if this was really real. I wonder if this was God, and I wonder if that person really knew what they were talking about, and I wonder if. This. But I say, don't just let your doubts question all that you believe. Question the doubts. Ask. What audacity do you have to speak up and become so loud when God has so proven himself over time? Can I give you a few different ways that God has proven himself already? Jesus Christ, so many eyewitnesses, so many people saw his resurrection. People who wrote the Bible and people outside of the Bible all affirm God and his resurrection and his message. There was also the miraculous preservation of the Bible The fact that you and I still get to read God's word today when no other book in literature has been more persecuted, more tried to be annihilated, more tried to be wiped off the face of the earth, muted and cast aside, and yet it's still the number one book sold every single year. They won't even quote it anymore as the number one book sold because it doesn't help out Harry Potter come out number two. Come on, Uh, It's not only preserved for us, but you and I have access to it. We can download it for free on our devices, and yet this is proof that God's hand has been upon it. The creation... Of the galaxies, how it all got here, or, or, or even the perfect calculation of Earth's distance from the sun. Just one uh, 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 measure closer and we all burn to death, just one degree further and we all freeze to death and yet god in his infinite wisdom put the earth in its perfect place and spun it at its perfect orbit that we can be spinning and yet not have constant vertigo come on like that that he can move in such a way and calculate so many different things the miraculous creation of you and i the miraculous creation of just one cell in your body blows scientists' mind that there could be such complexity in just one of the cells of your body. God has already proven himself to be true, reliable, good, just, merciful, present, caring, loving. And so when your doubts start questioning it, why not question your doubt? Say, who are you to become so loud? Why are you able to question all theology, history, record? bible in me right now and so sometimes we have to push back and we begin to question the doubt i love that john the baptist asked questions about his doubts instead of letting his doubts run amok and question everything see in case you don't know it or not deconstruction is kind of trendy in christianity today Have you ever heard this term, deconstruction, because people are trying to tear apart maybe what they learned and what I might have learned in church one day, and this isn't true and this isn't true. And young people, especially a young generation, especially like a university and young adults generation, is questioning all of theology so much that they have nothing left because they let their questions doubt everything. But I say question the doubt, Because God has been faithful from generation to generation. And if John questions his doubts by going to the Word who became flesh, Jesus Christ, you and I, when we have doubts, should also... Bring our questions to the word that is infallible, that is God speaking to us. This has preserved time, not pop, pop culture, which, by the way, will adjust and change in another 20 years' time as well. Why stand on something that is so swift and fleeting instead of something that has been proven, tested, reliable, prophetically spoken, and accurately come to pass? We should bring our questions to the word of God, too. And so, some things that you've experienced about God should be deconstructed a little bit. Some of us learn some things in church that just aren't quite measuring up, right? Like, how about this one? I was told Christians cannot dance. Might turn into lust. (laughs) Might take it too far. You're not allowed to dance. So, when my wife and I, Got married. My mother-in-law will loves Jesus, and she will dance her way to boogie shoes every time you put it on. Do not put it on, cause she loves Jesus and sermons, but she will dance because of, uh, of that. And so, w- when we were about to get married, th- they were questioning, "Who's the DJ, and when will we dance?" And w- we got the right kind of music, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, sinners! <laughs> it's holiness. This is it's a holy moment." We will not be dancing. And my wife kind of approached me one-on-one. She said, but I'd like to dance with you. And I said, well, let me show you that you're not supposed to. I'd like to dance with you too, honey. Come on, baby. Come on. I'd like to slow dance with you too, right? Because I don't. I don't necessarily see that in Scripture, and so maybe I need to leave that one aside. Some of y'all have been told you can't wear makeup in church or you're a sinner. I remember as a youth pastor, uh, we were leading a youth ministry, and another church church came and brought their youth with us every single Wednesday and maybe you know this culture, they were of a different culture and so I, I love communion and so I, I, I offered communion one time because I feel like a presence is God and I think we should do that from time to time, communion's important and Jesus taught us to and so I led communion one time only to find out that that, that youth ministry was was unhappy with me and I, and I learned, why? What, what, what's the problem? And they said, because you're not allowed, young people aren't allowed to have communion unless they've been baptized and I was just like where is that where, where is that where does God say that where does Jesus restrict that where why shouldn't we do that and I said and, and the leader said I agree with you it's not in Scripture and I said then why are we standing with culture more than we're standing with Scripture and, and, and then um, I, maybe you were Catholic like me I was taught to pray to Mary that's one I needed to deconstruct a little bit because I would, I could pray a Hail Mary faster than any of y'all could even think. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among us women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and the of our death. Amen, come on. Nine more, and I am close to finishing a fifth of the rosary. <laughs> you looking for a holy man? Until I met with someone who said, you guys like, pray to mary don't you and i was like yeah yeah he was like you think you can talk to jesus though right i was like yeah we can talk to jesus you talk to him all the time he was like but isn't like one of god's ten commandments thou shalt not have any other gods before me like talk straight to me talk to me And, and and if you could talk to him why wouldn't you just talk to him instead of talking to his mama about talking to him why don't you just talk to him and i was like well the reason we pray to mary is because I don't know why we pray to Mary. And he said this, he was like, you believe you could talk to me, right? I was like, yeah. And he was like, so why would you go to my wife and ask her to talk to me when you can just come talk to me? And I was just like, that's making a lot of sense. And nowhere in scripture does it say you should pray to Mary Jesus didn't say to do it. And so there are some things you might have learned in your culture or you might have learned by someone who tried to teach you Christianity that is not unbiblical to deconstruct a little bit. But here's the boundary you need to put in there. It's a sincere discipleship to let go of what's not true while also holding on to what is true. See, deconstruction has to have a boundary where you say, if it's not in the Word, then I'm not going to hold it as, as strict religious, but if it is, I must stand on it. It is reliable. It is the Word of God. It's still true today, and I am going to trust and stand only on it. Can I get an amen if you believe that with me today? In other words, when you doubt, go back to the Word and find if it's true or not. This is what we're called to do. Jesus said to John the Baptist, he, 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 John the Baptist questioned his doubts, number two. It says, here's the second thing you do with your doubt. Look around. John Uh, uh, Jesus said go back and tell him what you have seen and heard look around in other words though the miracle is not happening for John the Baptist tell John the Baptist the miracles are happening all around him and that doesn't make him not God that doesn't make him not the Messiah and there's some of us in here who might need a little bit of dose of faith where you like well God ain't moving in my situation but I see he's moving over there I see he's moving over there there's proof he's moving over there but why isn't he doing something in me if you focus on just yourself i hear jesus saying look around can i tell you what happened just at, at, at lift church last week a lady who's um uh, told me that her she told her husband before she came into the experience as she came in she said i don't even know if i believe god is real anymore before last sunday's experience she said then the worship started playing and by the time your wife got up there she started speaking straight to me and i felt god's presence in a real way that is undeniable and god touched me the rest of the experience and i'm so grateful i came to church today come on somebody give it up for what god can do another man texted me and he goes bro <laughs> pastor drew i got to tell you what happened for me at the altar last week i came to pray for my friend i was not responding to the altar because i needed it or because i was trying to do something or i needed something from god i was coming to pray for my friend and out of nowhere i just began to speak in another language i've never spoken before and he said pastor drew let me be real with you i wasn't looking for that and most of the time i have felt that i tried to choke it down because I didn't believe in that. And so I'm at the altar going, no, sir, I came to pray. (laughs) I came to pray for someone else. And God unleashed my tongue in a new way that I have never done before, even though I wasn't sure how I believed in it. And he wrote this, I previously tried to choke it down, but this time it just came up and it's the greatest feeling ever. Come on, God, look around. One family that, that uh, one of our small groups goes to an after school program and mentors families and that uh, or children, that child brought their entire family and they said when they came to the altar last Sunday, they felt the presence of God in a very real way. Come on, give it up. That's awesome because that's just a small group member showing Jesus and then here's one, a young woman whose mother had been on a ventilator for five days, sitting in ICU, praying that she'd come off the ventilator. She said, I decided enough was enough after hearing the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And I got a tassel tenacity that when I came to the altar, it changed the way I prayed. And she said, I was moved to get up and leave church. Once this was done, go straight to tidal health. She walked in, she hit the elevator button, and she said, I got a different kind of faith today. I'm not believing maybe she'll come off today. I'm believing she is going to come off today. She went into that room, and just an hour later, she texted Pastor Drew and Lauren you will not believe after five days of being on the ventilator she's off right now come on she's off and sustained she was like God took me out of my comfort zone and we're like this is so awesome she's like that's not all we're like oh really she said the first thing my mama said when she came off the ventilator was how is that family from Del Mar you should go pray for the family who's experienced the accident from Del Mar. She said that family was practically in a waiting room since that accident happened a couple of days ago. And so she, she was like, I don't pray with other people. I've, n- I've never had to, the courage to do that, much less walk up to people I don't know. It was way out of my comfort zone yet. Her mom, she just prayed off the ventilator, asked her to do it. So she went out and she prayed with that family. And she said, I don't know if I was the first one to pray for them or not. But I could see that they appreciated the prayers and the lifting up of someone with faith. Come on, y'all. Go back and tell John to look around. If you're a skeptic or an atheist today, I say welcome. We're so glad that you come and you are welcome to journey here as you wrestle through questions and try to figure it out. The only thing I ask of you is to listen and look around. (laughs) Look around. The blind see. The lame walk. The sick are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised to life. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Anybody in this room say, that was me and he saved me. Come on. Hold your hand up and keep it up. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind. Anybody who was blind but can now see, add your hand too. Come on. If you're a skeptic or atheist, look around. Look around. Our God is more than able. He is who he said he was. Number three, question, doubt. Look around. Number three, hold on. Hold on. Jesus said, God blesses those who does not fall away because of me. In other words, hold on to what you know is true. Hold on to that feeling you had when God set you free. Hold on to that moment that you realized what he did on the cross was just for you. Hold on to what God has spoken. You remember that time you had a moment with God and you said, well, no matter what I go through, uh, hell or high water, whatever I go through, God just showed himself very real and I'll never be able to explain this except for God showed up. You remember that moment? Hold on to that moment. I have a... Mentor, who's also a pastor. He's been my mentor and pastor out of Louisiana for 18 years or so. Some of y'all know him. His name's Pastor Greg Jones. He's spoken in this pulpit before, and he's a great friend of mine. And about two or three years ago, he went through horrific situations. They, he lives in Louisiana, a hurricane hits them every single every single year. And, and so he, he had physical devastation, he had issues with his family, there were issues with health within the family. It was, it was terrible, there was rumors, there was this, that, and the other, and it was what you would not wish for. It was like all colliding for a perfect storm. And then he just, I watched him carry resiliently his faith through the whole thing. And I called him to care for him one day, I'm like, hey, how you doing? And and how did you do that so well now that you're on the other side of it? And he said, Drew, I just need to remind you, Drew, the anchor holds. The anchor holds. Hebrews 6, 18 and 19 says, Therefore, we who have fled to God for refuge can have great confidence Even if we doubted why we have to run for refuge, we can have great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy, say the next word with me, anchor. Say that word with me again, anchor. This hope is an anchor that will hold. It's for your soul, even in moments of doubt, storms, chaos, or disappointment. He said, Drew, I've been through hell and back, but I need to tell you that the anchor holds. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, the anchor does hold. And the best way to hold on to it is number four, look forward. Look forward. Question doubt. Look around. Hold on. Look forward. Jesus said, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. In other words, you are only blessed tomorrow if you don't fall away today. Can I say that again? You are only blessed tomorrow if you don't fall away today. I can remember I was only giving my life to Christ maybe nine months uh, at this point when I was at LSU, Louisiana State University, where I, I went to college, and I, I entered into a world religions course, and and I was just like, let me let me let me see what everybody else believes, and let me see how firmly I, I know what I believe. And the professor said this. He said beware every single one of your faiths i will offend it at some point in this class but you can argue if you want but i will offend it i'm only nine months back into this thing and actually reading my bible and knowing what i believe and so i'm very new to it and i had no right to have an argument with the professor in front of the class yet i felt like the spirit rose up one day when he said all roads lead to heaven according to a specific faith and i was like But that's not what our faith says. Uh, 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 Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he was like, I get it, that's your faith, but that's not everybody's faith. And I said, but I think it would be unwise not to say this, that if you believe what you're teaching today, if you're right, then you go to heaven and I go to heaven too. But if I'm right, we're teaching something that I go to heaven and no one else gets to go. Everyone goes to hell. I choose the path that secures and certains my future. Can I say it this way today? You should focus more on tomorrow to shape what you believe today. You should focus more on tomorrow to shape what you believe today because many people are living for the moment and the feeling of today, abandoning an eternity in heaven with God. But a core component of anyone who walks with Christ is we keep our eyes on heaven. We keep our eyes on the fact that it could come tomorrow in the second coming of Jesus, or it could come when I breathe my last breath, but one thing's true, I'm gonna live today to achieve what I want tomorrow. Can I get an amen? We need to be living with the end in mind. And so I would not adopt a philosophy or a theory when doubts arise that would jack up and relinquish and abandon my tomorrows just so I have a pleasant and fun today. Live tomorrow shaped by what you believe. Let let tomorrow shape what you believe today, amen? Is this making sense? It's good. Let me pray. Father, I love you. I love your people. I love every single person under sound my voice in person and online. And Father, if we have silently had those doubts, Father, I pray that today you would use this message and what John the Baptist asked to reconvince, to inject us with hope, to inject us with faith, and to once again get a firm grip that the anchor holds and that you are good and that you are God and you are merciful and you are loving and you are kind and you are amazing. You're a protector. You're a pursuer. You're the one who goes after the one that's been lost. Father, you are after us. You love us. You care about us. And Father, let no doubt prevail against that. Let no weapon formed against it prevail in Jesus' name. And for those of us who aren't doubting, whose faith is on a mountaintop, Father, let it be expressed and let us hear of those testimonies in small groups this week or in the hallway after church and how good you've been and how great you are that we can look around and see the goodness of our God. Today, I ask for that in Jesus' name. And if you'll receive that, you could say amen. And with every head still bowed, every eye still closed, one last thing I want to ask you is if you're in this place and you know I'm not right with God, there's things in my life that I need to get right today, and I want to get free of my past and and, and repent of my sins and receive forgiveness today. If that's you, no one's looking around. Every, everyone's got their eyes closed I'm not going to call you down or embarrass you But I don't want you to be embarrassed To have a moment where you say, that's me And I want to get right with God If that's you, would you just quickly throw your hand in the air And write back down Yes, yes, there's hands everywhere, I thank you Hands all over the room If you're online and you're like, that's me too I need you to just maybe write it in the chat That's me too And Here's what I'm going to ask everyone who raised their hand Would you repeat this prayer after me? And all of the church is going to pray right along with you, and we're going to confess together. Can you repeat after me? Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you are the Son of God, and you died on the cross to set me free of every one of my sins. I'm so sorry for the sins I've committed. I repent of them now, and I ask you to forgive me, wash me clean, and I'm so grateful That by your death on the cross, I get to have a new start, starting right now. Thank you, Jesus, for a fresh start. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said, amen and amen. Can we celebrate?